Welcome into the Fog.net podcast, Scott Chasen, Michael Swain, uh, back after a little bit of a hiatus, a lot of news obviously been happening over the last couple weeks, we've had, you know, the end of the Kansas football season, we've gotten to watch, obviously the football team kind of finish things out, hire a new coach, uh, KU basketball, the season there is in full swing, and, and really that's what we're here to talk to you guys about today. We're going to be talking about Kansas's two games, the first, a win over Marquette, Leave 77-68, that's off the top of my head though, so don't quote me on that. And then an 87-81 uh, win over Tennessee, winning the NIT season tip-off, top five ranked Tennessee team. So a big win, obviously, for Kansas basketball. A lot going on in the world of KU Athletics. Uh, Michael, let, let's start with uh, with the most recent game, and it was a game the Jayhawks did not have Marcus Garrett for. It was a game that Quentin Grimes played less than half the available minutes, uh, and yet the Jayhawks still kind of found a way to get out a win. What did you see from KU in that game as a team? And did anything surprise you? Anything underwhelm you? What, what were kind of your thoughts on just kind of the collective performance by KU? Sure. I think two players stood out to me, I think. for First of all, I think Devon Dotson stood out most to me. I thought that he pushed the ball really well in transition and kind of sped up the pace at times to get Kansas into their offense. And I think that Diedrich Lawson kind of showed that dominant mentality of, hey, if I can carry this team to victory, should we need it? But talking about Devon Dotson specifically, I went back and rewatched the game earlier today, and I counted four different times Dotson found an open KU player for an open shot that was missed. He only had three assists on the game, so that could have been something like seven assists, maybe even five assists if you want to count it for 50% for an open shot. And I thought something that's really interesting so far this season has been the tempo that he's played at. KU's playing at 73% or 73 possessions per game according to Ken Palm's adjusted tempo, which would be the fastest Bill Self team in his time at Kansas. I think that that is a microcosm of something else that we kind of saw against Tennessee, which was Yudoka Azubuki being in foul trouble. He fouled out of that game and on top of had four fouls against Marquette. And I think that that has allowed Kansas to speed up. It's allowed Dotson to push the pace a little bit more. Dietrich Lawson has played a lot of at the five. I think it's allowed Kansas to be maybe a little bit more fluid, even if they haven't wanted to be just because of Azubuki's foul trouble so far. I really did like how Lawson played in the second game, especially with his spacing. He did have five assists against Tennessee, and I thought that he did a really good job passing the ball and passed the ball in the right spots. He didn't hold the ball too long like you see sometimes with guys in the post. If it wasn't a good look, you move it on to someone else. And I thought that in general, Lawson stood out to me the most. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I wrote in our kind of our takeaways from the last game that I, I think Lawson has clearly established himself on the as the best player on the team. Now, I know there's actually a thread in our board right now that's like Devon Dotson is this team's best player, and I think by the end of the year, the, there's kind of an interesting merit to the idea that the hierarchy could go Diedrich Lawson one, uh, Devon Dotson two. Right now, you know, you have a junior Yudoka Azubuki who is. Uh, obviously going to be more maybe dominant would be the right word than anyone else when when he's kind of clicking. I mean, you saw it. He only played 17 minutes. Um, yet when he was on the court, he was pretty much, you know, doing whatever he wanted to against the bigs. Obviously, again, only 17 minutes, but goes four or six from the field. Um, you have LeGerald Vick, who's probably KU's best uh, perimeter-oriented guard, shooter, you know, that type deal. Quentin Grimes, obviously, is kind of scuffling right now. So 
you know, I, I definitely don't think Dedrick or uh, Devon Dotson is this team's best player. And I also don't think it's possible for him to become that this year. I just don't think that's the, I, I don't think he'll be able to catch a guy like a Dedrick Lawson. I don't think he'll be able to be as dominant as a guy like Asabuki. I don't think he'll be able to shoot as well, you know, be as much of a perimeter piece, but I do think he can do a little bit of everything. And I think the tempo is something that's extremely important. Uh, I think his facilitating, he's going to be the second best passer in this team because self is called you know, Diedrich Lawson, the best passer he's ever coached. But his facilitating is, is I think, fine to good at this point, although I think his decision-making could stand to get a little bit better sometimes. I think sometimes he uh, puts himself into situations where, you know, he either has to bail himself out with a tough finish or doesn't necessarily make the right pass, to, you know, kind of goes for for the simple one rather than taking a calculated risk or on, on the other side of that coin, we'll go a little bit too far into the risk rather than making the simple play. But I think those are just natural things you see as a freshman. I don't think those are bad. I think Devon Dotson has been great this year. I think the last two games, honestly, if you figured Diedrich Lawson was going to be fine, if you entered those two games and, and were like, Diedrich Lawson's kind of been struggling, but he's going to figure it out, then I think Devon Dotson might actually be the biggest takeaway because he has been, I, I would say, fantastic. Uh, these last two games and the things that I mentioned that have been maybe more negative, they haven't been, you know, as negative these last two games. So, you know, I, I thought I totally agree with you in terms of picking, you know, two standouts from the game. Let, let's start with Lawson a little bit before we drive into Dotson uh, or before we go uh, into Dotson a little bit more. I thought uh, Dietrich Lawson obviously took the game over in overtime, obviously got a couple dunks, uh, showed off, you know, a little bit of emotion, which we're not, you know, quite used to seeing. But I think the biggest thing for him is he just looks so comfortable and you know, Self said after the first game with uh, regard to Quentin Grimes that maybe he's just a gamer. And I think what you're seeing is Dietrich Lawson's best games have now come against Michigan State, Tennessee, and Marquette. And two of those games, uh, he shot the ball well and did all the other things, obviously against Michigan State. He didn't shoot it great, but he still ended with 20 points, which was more than his field goal attempts. So more than one point per shot, which is important. Uh, obviously had like 14 rebounds, I think six assists, two blocks, two steals. So even though he didn't shoot it well, Dedrick Lawson had, you know, just a ridiculously monstrous game against Michigan State. These two most recent games have been best player, you know, preseason All-American Dedrick Lawson. That's, that's I mean, the Dedrick Lawson that we've been getting to see. And, you know, he had 24 points, should have had 26. Referees missed a goaltend. And then, you know, that that uh, obviously would have given him two more. Lawson looked a little bit like he let that bother him. He missed two free throws. He's a good free throw shooter. Uh, but shot 6 of 11, which is not very good. As Self said after the game, he should be one of their best. Um, so I thought that was obviously negative and an area where he let something affect him. But for the most part, I, I thought Deidre Clausen was dialed in and great. Yeah, with that too, I thought that it's really important for him to continue to get to the line. You saw it against Marquette. He didn't necessarily have the best start to the game, but he kind of got to the line and you could see him kind of build that confidence from those free throws. I think that that's also really important too, is getting those more or less easy buckets from the stripe. You know, he should be shooting... 75%, 80%, if not higher for the season. So it's going to be those times that are going to help, you know, tally up that total. I mean, you look against Michigan State, he made 10 free throws. That's half of his points. He scored 20 against Michigan State. And I think if you look at that throughout the season, that's going to be really important for him going forward is consistently getting to the line. And in the game where he got score, where he went scoreless, he didn't get to the line at all. So I think that that's going to be a big barometer. If the first thing you should look at after the game is just look at Diedrich Lawson's free throw percentage. And that's what I'm going to look at for the rest of the season is how many attempts he's taking per game. If he's in that seven and above, eight and above, then that means he's being aggressive. He's getting to the rim. He's contact. I think that that's really important for him, especially if his shot doesn't fall from outside like it didn't in this NIT preseason tip-off. I mean, he missed two threes 
against Tennessee, went one of one against Marquette. I think that that's really important if that outside shot necessarily isn't following, that he continues to drive and get to the rim and get fouls and so that he can get those other big men in foul trouble. Because I think that's also really important if you think about Azabuki in this. Because he hasn't played a ton of minutes with Deidre Glosson on the floor because Azabuki struggled with foul trouble. So I think that getting those opposing big men in foul trouble is going to be really important going forward. For sure. And with Lawson, you know, it's funny. He obviously had that one terrible game, no points uh, for the first time in his career. So I think that's bogged down people's opinion of him. Look, he obviously wasn't, you know, at his best in the first three games, but this is a guy who has scored 19 points in every single game except for one. And he scored 20 points against basically every good opponent KU has faced this year. Talking again about Michigan State, Marquette, and Tennessee. And, And now, obviously, in the first game, it was a little bit more inefficient. I believe he missed 13 shots. But again, 20 points on 18 shots, I, I, it, obviously the free throws have something to do with it, but but when you draw free throws, you're doing something else positive more than just scoring in that, like you mentioned, Swain, you're drawing fouls on the other team. Just kind of as a reference point, Vic took 12 shots in the last game and he had 15 points. So he had three more points than shot attempts on you know double-digit shot attempts. That's not all that different than taking 18 shots and getting 20 points. The difference is Vic didn't shoot a single free throw. So, you know, he wasn't getting the other team in foul trouble. He wasn't drawing contact. He wasn't, you know, doing anything other than kind of putting the ball in the hoop. Obviously, I think he had a few uh, rebounds or assists. I can't remember. But that that's kind of beside the point is Diedrich Lawson's a guy who drew nine fouls in the opener uh, against Michigan State. So while he missed 13 shots, he still got 20 points. He still drew nine fouls, so he got Michigan State's, you know, either got KU into the bonus or, or would get guys in foul trouble. And I think, again, that's what you're kind of seeing now. So I think, you know, it's important to remember, even though he did have, I would argue, a slow start to the year and really struggled, uh, I guess you could make that case through his first three games. This is also a guy who's averaging like 18 and 11 at this point or something like that. And this is also a guy who's probably going to average close to 20 and 10 all year, like, quite frankly. So he, he won't get those numbers. It would be, uh, pretty shocking for, for him to do that. But, I, I mean, that being said, again, this is a guy who scored 20 points uh, in KU's, at least in, in KU's three biggest games this year. And I believe he's had a 20-point double-double in KU's three biggest games this year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which I, is something KU hasn't had since Thomas Robinson. So um, I, I think from that perspective, you can get really excited about Dietrich Lawson, even though, again, no dis- there's no disillusion here. He hasn't played his best. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's move to Devon Dotson, who has played – like we both said, I mean, two fantastic games these last two games. Obviously, you know, he's a guy who's going to be able to push the ball off the court in transition. Uh, he's going to be able to make things uh, really, really difficult for opponents uh, just in terms of uh, his athleticism, his explosiveness. Obviously, he's still coming around as a shooter. Uh, obviously, he's still coming around as a decision maker, as a passer. You saw it on the last play of regulation. Um, I actually understand why he threw the ball to Dietrich Lawson. Self was a little bit critical after the game. Uh, because obviously Vic came open under the hoop. But if you go back and actually watch the replay, Vic got hung up on the screen he was supposed to come off of, or you know when you, you kind of rub shoulders and uh, with another guy and, and he was going to cut to the hoop. It was the Ben McLemore lob play they used to run. Um, and I believe they would run it for Josh Jackson too, and I think Andrew Wiggins actually got a couple as well. Uh, but when they ran it, Vic kind of got hung up uh, coming around the corner, kind of at the top of the key, if you go back and look. Uh, so Dotson, you know, probably worried about a five-second call. You know, just made the safe, you know, the safety valve play inbounds it to Diedrich Lawson, who cut a little early. Um, and then obviously Vic got open at the last second. But I think I actually understand why Dotson made that pass. And I don't blame him for it because if Diedrich Lawson had already cut to the wing, you don't want to risk not throwing it to your safety valve. Then what if Vic isn't open? Uh, you pretty much cost yourself a chance at that last shot. So I, so I understood that one. 
Um, but obviously, I think he can get, uh, you know, I, I think he could get even better. And like I said, by the year, I think he could actually be KU's second best player. I think you can make the case he has been, you know, after LeGerald Vick and Diedrich Lawson, KU's third best player to date this season. And I think you can make a case that maybe he's the one you feel the second best about than anyone if you assume that, you know, LeGerald Vick is going to come back down to earth a little bit. Um, but all that is to say that I, I think Devon Dotson has shown a lot to get excited about, and I think this tournament was was kind of an indication of that. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that, and there's a lot to get excited about with Dotson. And I'd make the argument, honestly, that he has been KU's second-best player if you take in every facet of the basketball game. You know, it's much more than just scoring, which is what Ladriel Vick has brought so far, which is awesome, especially considering the fact that he didn't necessarily shoot the ball as well last year. I think that Vick has shown that various parts of his offensive game that have improved. He had some floaters against Tennessee. I think that he does still take some bad shots. And I think that when you look at what Dotson brings you on the defensive end, especially what he did against Marquette in the second half, I think that that part can't go unnoticed. I also think that defensively, there is a little bit of a concern with just his size. I felt like against Tennessee, they shot over him a lot, especially in the first half, just would dribble in off, you know, off screens and they'd be able to elevate over. Dotson isn't the tallest guy in the world. I believe he's six two. So you, I'm. I don't know what his length is though. So he could be giving up some length. Yeah, and I just think that in general, I think that could also be something with timing and you know being a freshman, maybe being a step slower than some of the other guys. But I thought that he did also crash the boards well. He got three and a half boards per game, so seven total uh, in the NIT preseason tip off. And I felt like when he got the ball off the glass, he really did push the pace. And I felt like he really did make the right decisions in transition, which I know you mentioned earlier. And again, getting back to that free throw thing, he shot four free throws a game. And I think that that's really important if he continues to get to the line and he can be aggressive and just add more scoring to this team. Because as you saw in the first half against Tennessee, this team can struggle to score the ball if Doak's not in there. Because Doak is that guy that you can get a really quality look every time. I mean, he shot 70, above 75%, I want to say, last year. 77. That's it. 77% from the floor. That's a great look every time. And when Doak's not in there, you need other guys to chip in and kind of help with that scoring. And I feel like Dotson really did a good job of filling in when necessary. He didn't take a bunch of unnecessary threes. He only shot one all the whole weekend and he made it. I think that that's also really important that he doesn't end up shooting KU out of more possessions than he needs to. Sure. And, and let's talk about free throws just in general for a second, because uh, you know, Dotson and Grimes, I believe, each missed one clutch free throw in KU's opener. But I think Dotson hit like five or six or something like that this last game. I, I don't know if you have the numbers pulled up in front of you. He went six to seven from the line. Six to seven. So six is even better. Uh, so obviously it was a good free throw performance there. Dietrich Lawson struggled in the most recent game, but obviously he's going to be a good free throw shooter, and I believe he has been just in his career in general. Uh, someone who is not, though, is Yudoka Azubuki, who has taken a step backward on free throws. And obviously when the year started, you know, you hear Bill Self saying he just needs to see one go through the hoop and it's going to, you know, be better. Look, free throws are largely a confidence thing. And the um, kind of the reasoning to that is that you can look at anyone's practice numbers. Bill Self said he made 19 out of 20. Forget that for a second. You look at anyone's free throw numbers in practice, you know, all those guys are going to hit, you know, 18, 19 out of 20. Uh, you know, at their best, and, and obviously the elite ones will hit more, uh, just because, one, there's no pressure, there's no fatigue, there's no real variable. Even if you're shooting at the end of practice, it's a lot different when you know, like, okay, we're going to shoot 10 free throws and then, like, practice is over. Just, like, the the whole – every part of it is 
Um, it, it's just different. You can't simulate a game without really having a game. You can even do things like, you know, the losing team has to run or whatever. Everyone make 10, you know, shoot 10 free throws. It's not going to be the same, you know, pressure, or, you know, parts of the game. Obviously, you know, even the backdrop behind the backboard can affect uh, some guys. So there are obviously a lot of variables. That being said, Yudoka has Boogie shooting worse than 40% at the line this year. And this was after he shot better than 40%, which is not a good number at all. But, I mean, he was above 40 last year, and now he's actually regressed. And it's obviously still early. And, yes, like sometimes his shot does look better. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is this is something I expected actually to get better, especially when Self kind of consistently talked about that 65% number. Uh, and he said he felt like that was kind of a realistic goal. Um, now where I'm kind of at with this, like I think the number is 50. If you can get 50% out of Yudoka Azubuki, you – I think you're just happy with that because I don't think you can count on him for more than that until, I mean, until he actually shows he can do that. Um, specifically on Doke's free throw shooting, uh, I'm not asking whether or not you think he should go underhanded because I think anyone who thinks that's the solution, Yudoka Azubuki has been shooting tens of thousands of free throws his whole life and it's not helping. So changing his form drastically um, in theory sounds great, but you're going to run into the same problems you have consistency, confidence, and you're going to have him obviously shooting a lot less attempts, um, you know, over just his lifespan than, you know, he he would have the other way. And the other, the other part of that too, is there's no guarantee, you know, they're going to go in that way. Obviously you've heard stories like, Oh, Wilt switched or Shaq switched to underhand. He made 30 in a row in a practice. And then he was like, I don't want to look dumb. Like, yeah, maybe you don't know what is true or what isn't. But again, if Yudoka is making 19 out of 20, overhand in a practice then you know what what's going to be different if he's making that in practice it's it's not the same as games and you've seen guys go to underhand in the the nba the nba g league in college and still make a terrible percentage and some of them have improved but some of them have made a, a you know a consistent percentage so um I, those are just kind of my thoughts i never think the answer is just like drastically changing the way you've been doing something your whole life but i do think at a certain point you know, Bill Self said last year after that game against Oklahoma, maybe now Yudoka Azubuki will embrace what he actually needs to do to get better at free throws. And to me, that was saying that he wasn't taking it seriously. I, I don't know how you could perceive that comment any other way. Um, so I, I don't know if that's the case or, or what the deal is at this point, but uh, clearly he's still not a good free throw shooter. Clearly that's still a huge weakness. Um, and teams, if I'm playing against KU, I would legitimately send in a walk-on and just hack him intentionally If you know, once you get into late games. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I don't know if you remember this from last year, but after Doke had that really bad free throw game against Oklahoma, I kind of floated the idea to Bill Self at his weekly press conference of switching to the underhand just kind of just to see what he would say. I didn't necessarily think, I don't think that that's the way to go. You shoot away for your entire life and then all of a sudden switch. That would just not help at all. That'd make things worse. Yeah, and, and to that point, I mean, if Yudoka Azubuki isn't taking jumpers from the free throw, you know, shots with his form, and that's how, by the way, KU teaches shooting is they teach it, you shoot the same way no matter where you're, you are on the court, whether it's two feet, whether it's 30 feet. And you've seen guys like Frank Mason uh, develop, I mean, dramatic. Legerald Vick had a bad jump shot when he got to KU and became a 40% three-point shooter. So you've seen guys drastically improve, and that's the other thing. If Yudoka Azubuki is not consistent with his form from the free throw line, from you know in close when he's shooting out of the paint, whatever, he is never going to develop as a shooter. And the point of college, obviously, the point is to win games and things like that. But it's also to get better and improve. And that's why Bill Self doesn't you know play zone defense. KU could win a lot more games if Bill Self was throwing out triangle and two, you know, against Vermont 
or something, you know, like when, when that one random guy went off or, you know, however many points in the first half, Justin Miller, whatever his name was like, yeah, Bill Self could have boxed and won him, but like, that's not going to help you later in the year. It's not going to help you win games. It's not going to help you grow as a defensive team. Bill Self has said he doesn't like to switch early in the year like have everyone switch just because he doesn't want to get them in the habit. He wants to teach guys how to guard first. And then later in the year, yeah, you can break those rules a little bit more to win games when the games get a little bit more important. But I think that's that's another case of if you give him the bailout option of, okay, you're just going to shoot one this way drastically differently, you're going to affect his jump shot from everywhere else because yeah. now he's going to be taking those same reps from every, everywhere. And I think that would hurt confidence in his jump shot too. And I think it would kill his draft stock even more than it probably has. So yeah, the, uh, again, I, I don't ever, I generally am, I recognize I'm lower on underhand than most, but I, I generally don't think underhand shooting is a good idea ever. No, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's, I think it's fun to suggest and to think about, you know, what ifs, but I also would say this about Doug's free throw shooting. He made went three of seven against Michigan State, three of six against Vermont. He's shown that he can make these free throws. I think that a part of it also comes down to just the pure confidence in his head. If you look at this past weekend, he never really got in the flow of the game. He was sitting with foul trouble, then would come back in and had to be timid and couldn't, you know, be uber aggressive. And I think that that may have something to do with it too, where he's not necessarily as confident in himself. So then, when you get to the free throw line, you're already thinking, okay, you know, I've been struggling so far this weekend and now I got to do something that I'm not good at. You know, I think that that may have something to do with it too. And I don't know if you have the men's basketball team on Snapchat, but they had posted a video of them at shoot around before the Tennessee game. And Doak was shooting just a, something from the elbow, I feel like. And his form was still just not good. And I really do think that it's going to come down to, is he going to take it seriously? Because you mentioned his draft stock and I, you know, it's, you know, we're only in, 2019 draft is a long way away. He's got to be able to show that he can shoot from outside the paint in order to be effective in this type of NBA that we have now. But that's for later. I think that in general, for him to get better at the free throws, I think it's going to be all about his confidence and how well he's actually playing on the court. Yeah, I would agree with that. Hey, speaking of confidence, it's a perfect segue to Quentin Grimes because this is a guy who in the first game was shooting like he had tons of it and the second game was content, either the second or third, got a double-double with his passing, right? And everyone, you know, thinking, you know, he said, hey, it wasn't my day, so I took my foot off the gas. I didn't need to, to dominate the ball. I could get to the open man. Quentin Grimes has done nothing kind of these last two games or, or he's been maybe even a minus uh, just in terms of, I, he might've made one combined field goal in the two games from the field or something like, you know, if that, um, I don't know what it's necessarily been because Quentin Grimes was a guy who has been described as a gamer, as someone who, you know, when the lights are on is actually going to perform well. I don't know if he's been sick. Um, no one has suggested that to me or said that to me, but it wouldn't shock me if this was one of those things where we kind of learn after the fact that, Oh, Quentin Grimes is actually dealing with a little something and he's going to be a little bit better from here on out. But the fact of the matter is I think he's looked timid. I think he's looked passive. I think he's looked uh, not confident in himself. I, I just don't think he's gotten it uh, or gotten to a point where uh, he even knows what kind of he wants to do um, out there on the court. So I think that if you're looking for things to be concerned about is probably number one on your list right now. Obviously I think he's going to get it figured out at some point um, you would you know, imagine he's not going to be stunted in this kind of, you know, shape or phase, what forever. But um, fact of the matter is he, you know, this is now 
uh, two really big time opponents that KU really could have used the lift in. Uh, and obviously he wasn't able to provide that. So uh, thoughts on what you've seen out of Quentin Grimes and uh, what, what do you think the issue is right now? If you, if you have a guess at it. I think that the biggest thing is Bill Self before the season had compared his attitude to a little bit of Wiggins of being that passive, not always, you know, in the game, he flows in and out of it. And you kind of could see that in these past three games. So in the first two games against Michigan state, shot the ball incredibly well against Vermont, passed the ball incredibly well. But since that game in these three games, since he's averaging 4.7 points, he's shooting 21% from the field. He's got three rebounds and one assist per game. He's just been a non-factor on the offensive end. And a lot of the times you've seen he's just standing in the corner. The plays maybe aren't necessarily being run for him. But there were times against Tennessee specifically where he would have an, where I counted twice where he had an open shot at the top of the key and he just chose not to shoot it. I think that that's a big thing for him is just having that almost a Gerald Vick mentality of, hey, I'm going to keep shooting it. I made my first three. Let's just take a heat check now. I think that he kind of needs to maybe adopt a little bit of that ah, screw it, let's just shoot this shot because he's talented enough to make the shots and he's talented enough to affect the games in so many ways. I mean, you saw it against Michigan State and Vermont. He's so versatile in what he can do. And I think that he kind of needs to get that, oh, screw it, who cares mentality instead of maybe worrying about whatever's going on around him too. Yeah, and I I do agree. Like, I think we both think he's going to be fine. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah. Oh, totally. He's going to be fine. He's way too talented not to be fine. He's. It's just a rough patch. Everyone goes through it. Josh Jackson went through rough patches. Frank Mason went through rough patches. Everybody goes through them. It's just that right now we saw some really high highs at the beginning of the season, and now we're kind of like wanting more from him. Yeah, and, and so that's where exactly where I'm pretty much at as well. And that, like, yeah, I... I I would be shocked if uh, you know we kind of watched out this entire season and it like he never improved. I would be shocked if he was having zero and three point games or whatever or two point you know whatever he's scoring. I would be shocked if this if he has three more games this year with less than five points. That would honestly shock me. I expect him to get going. I expect him to figure it out, and I expect him to be locked in and pretty good. That being said, you know, like I said, I I don't know if there is some issue even happening off the court that we just don't know about at this point. Um, I think it'll be interesting just the next chance we get to talk to him to kind of hear from him. But the fact of the matter is he and Dotson are kind of similar in that they don't actually say much. Uh, They're not, like, they're they're not anti-talking. They're not you know, angry or, or mad in interviews or anything like that, like nothing negative. They just generally, I find, haven't had it or, or give kind of very non-controversial statements, which is good. Obviously, when you're, you know, at a major program, you don't want to be saying anything that's, you know, too crazy from a player perspective. But also, I think that kind of does speak a little bit to kind of who both of them are in terms of being steadier presences. You know, these are not guys that are going to, you would think, go through dramatically high highs and lows. And so that's why it's kind of contradictory that right now on the court, Grimes is going through those lows because he seems like a really steady, cool, collected, you know, just I'm going to be very calm and chill no matter what's going on. Like that's what he seems like. Um, So I think in that regard, it does become a little bit surprising that, you know, a guy who you would expect, you know, kind of like a Kelly Oubre-ish, uh, or maybe that's not a great example, just kind of a temperament where it wouldn't shock me if you told me he scored between 10 and 14 points in every game and then occasionally broke out with a great game. Like, that wouldn't shock me, but telling me that he could be, you know, arguably KU's best player for most of the game against Michigan State and then, you know, be KU's probably worst player in two straight games, 
I mean, he got benched to start the second half for Marcus Garrett against Marquette, and K went on a 22-0 run. And I don't think those two things were unrelated because even though Garrett wasn't giving you it offensively, you know, he was obviously helping KU defensively, which is, you know, a huge part of the equation. Devon Dotson was, you know, obviously as well. So he, he's got to figure out how to get it figured out because he's still going to be, a, you know, I, I think a first-round draft selection, probably, a, you know, a lottery pick in that, in that I guess, top 14. I, I don't think those things are changing. I just think – I think something's going on right now, and I think, you know, really he's the guy that's got to get to the bottom of that. Um, let, let's end on this one topic here. Let's end on LeGerald Vick because he's obviously had some massive scoring performances to start the year, and I thought it was interesting that you said you think Devon Dotson has been uh, kind of a more complete player than him in terms of being KU's maybe second most complete player this year, and I think there's some some merit to that for sure. I think LeGerald Vick was really locked in for a couple of games there defensively, but I don't think he's had the same uh, aggressiveness that Dotson has had on that end, you know, kind of all season. I think Dotson's a guy who will get you a steal like a, I'm just going to pick the guy I'm guarding, like pick his pocket. He gets you one of those a game at least. And I think that's something that KU hasn't had in a while. Frank Mason had fantastic hand speed, uh, especially at game point, a number of times where he would literally just rip the ball away from another team at game point. And I think it was one of the most underrated parts of Frank Mason's game. And Devon Dotson does that more than him, certainly more than him as a freshman, but he, he's doing it more than Frank Mason ever did. And obviously, you know, again, five games into his career, whatever it is, plus a couple exhibitions. But uh, I think those signs are promising. I do not expect LeGerald Vick to keep up this run of play. I think he's going to have a streaky season up and down. That's not really a hot take, but uh, it wouldn't shock me. You know how I said I don't think Quentin Grimes will have three games this year, uh, the rest of the year with fewer than five points. I would expect LeGerald Vick to have a few games this year where, you know, zero, two, four points where just kind of nothing clicks for him. But I'm also, I also think that at this point, he has set the bar for himself that against quality opponents, double-digit scoring, you need to kind of be counting on that and expecting that at least you're going to get something out of Vic. Uh, do you think he sustains this? Do you think he keeps it up? And, uh, and, and I guess just a general thought on Vic before we get out of here. I would say no. I mean, no, duh. I don't think he can keep up You know, shooting 58% from three for the season. I think that with Vic, the part that frustrates me the most when watching him is how much he floats in and out of games. You look at kind of Tennessee, the first half, he came out and made that first three. Can you think of anything else he did in the first half that really like made you say, oh, LeGerald Vick's playing well today? There's really not one moment that you can kind of think of. And I think that that's the part that can be frustrating with him is that he shows these flashes of where he can score. He's making floaters, can make these tough off-the-dribble threes. And then there are times where he just lets a rebound go right past him. And then it, there's an offensive rebound and they go get two points. I think there's a lot of that that can be frustrating. Whereas like, for example, Dotson, it feels like it's a very even keel effort the entire game where again, like you said, Vic's just much more of a streaky player. And I think that also Vic's got to stop chucking. That's just my personal opinion. He takes a lot of just bad off the dribble threes that just are not necessary that are shots that maybe you could work the ball around and maybe for all he knows the ball can get, come back to him maybe he gets an open look in the corner I think that he has to think about the team also at times and moving the ball instead of going and shooting you know with 26 seconds left on the shot clock because I think there was one uh, specifically in the second half against Tennessee where he just took a pull up off the dribble top of the key three with even got under 20 seconds. I think that those are the type of things that really frustrate you is that kind of that decision-making at times with those shots that I think that really needs to get 
toned down for him to maybe be a little bit more consistent this season. Because, I mean, those shots still count, and those will hurt his numbers, and those aren't shots that are going to go in consistently. I think that maybe if you can think about working the ball around a little bit more and less of taking kind of the crazy heat check shots, maybe he'll see his own numbers improve. Maybe he can be maybe a little bit more consistent. Yeah, and I think one of the best plays he's made this year, he had an open three uh, pass to Quentin Grimes in the corner. Gr- Grimes drove, passed it off, I want to say to Garrett, who swung it back to Vic for an even more open three. And he, and he knocked it down in one of those 30-point games. And I, I thought that was a prime example of what you're talking about right there. And, and like I said, that might be the best play he's made this season. Quite frankly, it was a good decision, a smart decision on the front end, and then obviously knocking down you know, a three-pointer. And I, I guess every game's kind of been a close game this year, so knocking down a three-pointer in, in what was a close game. So uh, I think that's a good place to leave off our conversation uh, this week. And, and yeah, kind of get you, I guess, caught up a little bit on the Q basketball season. Obviously, a lot's been going on, and, and Jayhawks off to a fantastic start. I mean, pretty much rolling through um, in terms of not having to really sweat one out after, you know, uh, getting to overtime or the Michigan State game. Uh, again, that was, you know, Bill Self was asked, you know, you've had experience in close games, and, and he even said, I, I mean, we have and we haven't. I mean, this was before the tournament, but Key wasn't really, I mean, Key was tested in those games. But none of those games, the other team ever had the ball with a chance to tie or win. So that's not, it's not the same thing, you know, as being in a dogfight that's a one-point game until Tennessee, obviously. But, but I'm just talking about those first three games right now, especially the Michigan State game. Key was up like 17 in the second half of that game and then just kind of had to hold off Michigan State, which is a different mentality than, you know, uh, think back to a- any number of, you know, games, like the, the triple overtime game against Oklahoma. Totally two dramatically different styles of game, even if the margin, you know, kind of ends at two or three or four or whatever. So um, obviously that's an extreme example, but I, ho- I kind of hope you get the point I'm trying to make. Uh, anyway, uh, this is uh, this is where we will kind of leave you moving forward. So, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, if you want to, I'll, I'll link all the podcasts and in, in kind of the article with this so you get a chance to uh, check out anything you might have missed. We've done some about football, basketball, everything else. Uh, make sure to visit Kansas.247sports. Dot com for all your KU content. Michael Swain on Twitter at mswain97. I am on Twitter at Chase and Scott. This has been the Fog.net podcast, and we will talk to you guys again next week.